Good evening. Welcome to Tuesday evening chapel. As for me and my house, oh, that's a little weak. That's a little weak. Yeah, I agree. As for me and my house, good, good. Glad you're here. A couple years ago, I was reading the address by a doctor. Jim Deal, one of the general superintendents in the Church of the Nazarene, he, it was his turn to address the general board. And I was reading his address, and he says in there something about, and then there's Robin Rogers and her work at Hope Springs Church of the Nazarene in Colorado. And I said, huh, who? So that's how I knew. Uh, Reverend Robin Rogers is uh, the founding pastor of Hope Springs Church of the Nazarene in Lakeland, Lake, say again, Loveland. Lakeland, that's in Florida. Loveland, Colorado. Um, and I wanted you uh, to get to meet her, and I wanted you to get to hear her message of the word this evening. And so she's, she's come along with her wife, uh, his, her wife, her husband, John. I hope, that's, I hope that's the first time, but I'm assuming that it's not. Would you guys welcome these two? I think it's important for us to hear how God is using men and women who say yes to him uh, to plant places of worship, plant, plant places of mission, and uh, from what I understand about Hope Springs Church, that's what that place is. Father God, there's no greater joy than to honor you. What an amazing love that you have for each one of us. Father God, may your love pour down on us tonight. May those who have had a rough day, may they be able to lay all those worries and cares at your feet tonight, God. For the families that are home and dinner being cooked and school children doing homework, may you be with them there tonight, God. And Father, thank you for the reminder of your love for each one of us. May you be in this house tonight. In your precious name I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, hello from Loveland, Colorado, not Lakeland, Florida. Maybe I'd like to go to Lakeland, Florida. I don't know. It was just a short line, really, from the doctor about us. Um, it is good to be here. It's amazing um, what happens in your mind. You'll see this Kleenex with me at probably about 5.30 this afternoon. We were watching the news, and the lady on the news said, um, it is officially spring. And my eyes started running, and my nose started running. And so if I'm sniffling tonight, it's, my heart is breaking for you, but it's really about the allergies. So. Welcome, welcome, Colorado, huh? Hey, I just thought maybe I'd remind you that you're the miracle. You may not um, think of it about this time of the day that you are a miracle. This last week I had a, took a chance with the Hope Springers and talked to them a little bit about miracles and the supernatural miracles that we witness in our lives. And some of the things, and in the group of people that I talked to, some of the things that they had, they mentioned was salvation. Of course we're in church, we're going to think of salvation, right? Salvation is one of the most supernatural miracles we could ever um, imagine having, having in our lives. And one was a birth of a child, marriage is healed, people coming to know Christ, walking next to them, physically being healed, and then there's always one in the crowd. 
the Red Sox winning the World Series. <laughs> See, there are some other fans here. Now, I want to share with you why I believe you're a miracle, and it's a reminder for each one of us, no matter how bad the day is, no matter what we're doing, if you're almost at the end of a semester and things are getting crazy, I want to read this quote. Um, it's a little lengthy. It's from former Senate chaplain and Presbyterian pastor Lloyd Ogilvie. He writes, recently I was interviewed by a television station about the power of God in contemporary life. The news analyst wanted to know if I believed in miracles today. I told him I did and that the same power displayed vividly on the pages of the New Testament was available today and you can say amen. 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 Thanks. He then wanted to know the greatest miracle I had ever experienced. I am sure he wanted to know some account of a great healing or some account of a, an exception to the laws of the natural world. And though I have experienced both, he wrote, that is not what I had in mind. The greatest miracle, he said, is the calling, the conditioning, and commissioning of a disciple. That drew a puzzled look from the interviewer. He went on to explain that the transformation that takes place from observation into actual participation is one of the greatest gifts God ever gives a casual follower of Christ. He went on to ask, why do you call that a miracle? I responded that the pressures of conformity in our society and of safety and uninvolvement are so great and a push upon people to be casual followers instead of committed that it is almost humanly impossible to become a real disciple of Jesus Christ. Most people come to church for what they need and what they want. It is a special gift from Christ when a miraculous transformation occurs and they begin to urgently feel a passion and purpose to give away to others what they have experienced through Christ. Amen. He went on to say that the interviewer would not let this drop. His last question was rather cutting edge. He asked, if Christ is still calling disciples out of mass followers, why are there so few disciples in most churches? The pastor writes, we had a fascinating conversation about why so many churches do so much for uncommitted church members to inspire and entertain them and so little to call and train disciples. Interesting, huh? Interesting. So you know why I believe you're a miracle? Because you are, in this sentence, it is a special gift from Christ when a miraculous transformation occurs and they begin to urgently feel a passion, any purpose, to give away to others what they have experienced through Christ. And I believe that's represented in this room tonight. So you are a miracle. And so when you leave here tonight, will you just pat yourself on the back and say, I am a miracle. It doesn't matter that things are piled up everywhere and it doesn't matter that things are going crazy all around me. I am a miracle because I am a miraculous transformation. Think back to your life before Christ and think to where you are today. What a miraculous transformation it was in my life. I go back to my hometown and they recognize the outside of me but they don't recognize the part of me that I used to be. And that's an awesome thing. That's an awesome thing. So I want us to look in the book of Mark tonight. If you have your Bibles, turn to Mark. In my church, I would tell you, uh, Mark is in the New Testament. You go Matthew, Mark. And so you turn to Mark. I'm sure you all know where that is, the uh, third chapter. We're going to look at verses 7 through 15. And God, through the Word of God, is going to help us see how we transform lives, how you take your miracle and you transform other lives. And that's the calling that we all have, the calling, the conditioning, and the commissioning of a disciple. So let's read the word. Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the lake, and a large crowd from Galilee followed. 
When they heard all he was doing, many people came to him from Judea, Jerusalem, Edomia, and the regions across the Jordan and around Tyre and Sidon. Because of the crowd, he told his disciples to have a small boat ready for him to keep the people from crowding him. For he had healed many, so that those with diseases were pushing forward to touch him. And whenever the evil spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, You are the Son of God. But he gave them strict orders not to tell who he was. And Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed twelve, designating them apostles, that they might be with him, and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. We're just going to stop right there for right now. I want to talk to you a little bit about the crowd. I believe that Jesus helps us see how important it is to meet the felt need of the crowd, of where you live, of who you hang around with, what your, or your neighborhood looks like, to meet the felt needs of those people. The needs of the people were they, were, they were sick and they were dying and they needed Jesus. And it said that the crowds came because they heard what he was doing. Just like from Sunday to Sunday, Maybe one Sunday I'll say, do you remember what I preached about last week? Well, not exactly. So it doesn't exactly say that they came because they understood exactly what he was talking about or they remembered the sermon from the week before, or they remembered the illustration, but they came because of what he was doing. And so many times in our churches they come because they sense and they hear what the Spirit of God is doing. And so they come because they want to know what God is doing in our ministries. They want to know what he is doing in our lives. They want to know how he is transforming lives. And many of the people that came here that we're looking at in the scripture, maybe some of them came because he was taking on the religious leaders and they wanted to see what was going to happen there. Maybe they came because they heard of the healings. Maybe they came with a friend and they just tagged along. But it doesn't matter why they came. They came because they heard what he was doing and he was drawing a crowd. As a church, a worldwide church. We need to draw a crowd. We need to draw a crowd so that we can begin to plant those seeds and we begin to share what's happened in our lives and we can let them see what the ministry of the church is all about. That it's not just about us gathering together. It's not about us coming and singing great songs and praising God and worshiping. It's about drawing a crowd and meeting their needs. Meeting their needs so that when, when the crowd comes and you may have someone that comes to you and, and they want to talk to you about Maybe they're having problems in, in their marriage. Maybe they have a wayward child, or maybe they're having financial difficulties. I want to suggest that maybe at that moment in time is not the time to share the Roman road to spiritual greatness. You know, you, they just don't get it at that point. We need to share their needs. We need to let them know that we understand their needs. We need to let them draw next to us and that, that we are not perfect. So we need to draw the crowd in. As we draw the crowd in, as we begin to meet their needs and, and we begin to feed the hungry and as we begin to help the children and as we begin to do youth group and we have marriage classes and we have raising kids classes and we have all of those things to begin to meet their needs, we're drawing in the crowd just as the crowd came to see what Jesus was doing. They wanted to see what he was up to. And it said he healed many. So that those with, with, with diseases were pushing forward to touch him. I don't know the last time that I saw someone with leprosy. But I know I've seen someone push towards Jesus with alcoholism and depression and discouragement 
and feeling all alone as they pushed towards Jesus just like they are here in the scripture they were pushing towards Jesus because they were begging for somebody to heal their hurt and in the crowd those with diseases look a lot different to us today than they did right here and we mask them many times we cover them up but when they come to see what Jesus is doing and the Holy Spirit begins speaking through the crowd they begin pushing forward wanting to touch the hem of the garment of Jesus Christ and that's where we begin ministering to them and sharing with them that they too can be a miracle that they too they can give their life to Christ and that's just the beginning we can't hand them a Bible and send them off that's one of the miraculous and wonderful things about a new start church you, you have six seven eight nine ten people that you begin with and you begin going out and and ministering with them and you hold them by the hand and you pick them up and you hold them by the hand and you pick them up and you hold them by the hand and you pick them up over and over and over again but you're seeing transformation the miraculous transformation in their life and there is nothing that is more rewarding than seeing transformation in the lives so Jesus he knew all about drawing a crowd he knew the work that it involved. He knew also that he needed to get away and he needed to escape for just a little while because the, the drain and, and everyone coming to him, he understood the importance of a crowd. Now admit it, you guys. How many of you like Big Macs? How many of you like Whoppers? How many of you like those super big gulps? See, we live for the big, don't we? We live for the giant. We, we want to supersize our meals. We want to get everything that we can out of it. And so just whenever you're thinking of crowd, think of let's supersize the crowd today. What can we do to supersize the crowd so that we can begin going out and we can begin reaching to them and we can begin ministering to them? Well, how can we supersize the crowd? Because whether we want to admit it or not, we're not going to save the whole crowd. But we are going to be able to watch and observe those are truly seeking to find who that Jesus is in their lives so observation observation watch the crowd but I want to talk to you a little bit tonight about the call you all have a call there's nothing more humbling than for God to call each one of us to do his work and so as we look in verse 13 it says Jesus went up on a mountainside and he called to the, him those who he wanted, those he wanted, and they came to him. Folks, your lives are in a miraculous transformation. A miraculous transformation that can only happen day by day by day with Jesus. Holding on to him. But read it and say, and put your name in there. Jesus went up on the mountainside and he called to him your name. Those he wanted and they came to him. See Jesus understood much more than we do. He knew that he was not going to be on this earth very long. He knew that he had to begin reproducing what he was doing. He had to begin training and teaching. And so he called to them to come, and they obeyed, and they came. And he began sharing with them. 
and he understood that if the world to come was ever going to understand the coming of the bridegroom or the coming of the Savior, if it was ever going to stay alive and it was going to stay absolutely real, when he called them that they were going to come, and it was so important that he began reproducing it in others and in the miraculous transformation in our lives, it is our job to produce that transformation in others, not just to see them at the altar and have them give their lives to Christ. That's the very best and first miracle that can ever happen. But it cannot stay, stay there. We have got to walk alongside of them and we have to hold their hands and we have to pray with them and we have to help them be healed of their diseases, of all the things that have happened in their lives through our families and through being raised and, and through society, all the things that they hold on to and the baggage that they've had. They have to be healed of that so that they can be reproducing Christians as well and transformation will happen in our communities. Being transformed is miraculous and Jesus decided to develop 12 other people. He did it through observation. He observed the disciples. He just observed what they were doing. He knew who had the follow-through and who had the heart to do the work. He knew who was faithful. He interacted with them. He talked to them. He walked with them. He got to know them and they got to know him. And then here's the key. He interceded for them. Sometimes he would pray all night long for those that he was going to train to be his disciples. Praying all night long isn't an easy task. But I pray that God would give you the burden for those who you're holding hands with. That if he wakes you up in the middle of the night that you'll be willing to get out of your bed. And you'll be willing to kneel there because I know better than any one of you here that I'll negotiate with God and I'll say, God, I'll just lay here and I'll pray for them. And pretty soon, I'm sleeping. So get out of the bed. Get on your knees and pray all night long. Intercede for those that he has placed in your life that you will see transformation happen. Transformation from, from the crowd to the 10 or 12 that God will give you to pray for and to reproduce yourself in. We will always be planting seeds. We will always be reaching to others, but here's a prayer that maybe you could pray. Father God, I have 24 hours in my day. I have 168 hours in the week. I have maybe 80 years to live here, God. Show me who I can reproduce myself in. Show me who I can give my life into, God so that they will be followers of you. And then it says, He appointed twelve, designating them apostles, that they might be with Him. That they might be with Him. That they would know what it was like when He hadn't had a chance to shower for several days and He didn't smell so great. That they would know what it was like when He had a great meal and maybe He belched at the table. That, that they would know what He was like when He did the great and mighty things and they would know the good and the bad. They would know the best and the worst of Jesus. He said that they would be with Him. That they would see Him when He healed the masses and they would see Him when He was hanging on the cross for them. He said that they would be with him. And so that is our call also. If we are to reproduce, miraculously see, transform lives, we have to let people in and allow them to see the good and the bad. 
if my husband wasn't here, I'd try to tell you that I was good all the time. But he would tell you that's not so. There is good and bad in each one of us. Let people in close enough to see your real heart. Let them in close enough to see the miraculous, where you came from and where you're going. Let them in close enough that they could sense who Jesus Christ really is in your life. The miraculously transformed. Because I love your theme for this year. As for me and my house, that was just not almost very good. Let's do it again. As for me and my house, if you say that from the very bottom of your feet and you live it in your gut and it comes from the depths of your heart, you have been miraculously transformed because he has transformed your house and your family and your church and will transform your community because you have miraculously been transformed. And as for me and my house, amen. But you have to let them in. And then you have to let others in. And as I said, that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. That he might send them out to preach and have authority. To have authority and power when you go out and preach and when you have power and authority to go out and transform lives and when you have power and authority going with you, then nothing can come against you. Nothing comes against you because as for me and my house, Amen. Amen. There are so many rewards in serving Christ. So many rewards in seeing lives totally transformed. Whether it's in Loveland, Colorado, or Colorado Springs, or wherever in the world that God sends you, you are a miracle. So whatever day you've had today, or this week, or you're going to have next week, remember that you are a miracle because you have gone against the odds. You are not that one. It says, this Pastor Ogilvy said, it is a special gift from Christ when a miraculous transformation occurs and they begin to urgently feel. Can you urgently feel it with a passion and a purpose to give away to others what you have experienced through Christ? When we begin to urgently and passionately giving it away to others, when we passionately, can you kind of just get it? Can you get shook up about it? Can you believe it with all that you are that you will passionately give it away to others? You are miraculously transformed and so is your community. So you're a miracle. And I just want to say thanks for being a miracle. Thank you for being a miracle that you'll go out to your communities. You will go out with power and authority. And God will use you to heal many so that those with diseases will push forward to Christ. You are a miracle. Can we pray? Can I pray with you tonight before we leave and go into your households and into your neighborhoods and into your lives? Father, sometimes in the busyness and the craziness of our lives, we fail to remember the transformation that has happened day by day in our lives. And suddenly we look back and we remember where we used to be and where you're taking us to. And God, I don't know the frustrations that those in this room have experienced. I don't know the discouragements or the depression, the frustration or the fear.
But tonight, God, would your Holy Spirit come upon them. And may they be reminded from you, God, what a miracle they are. What a miracle they are when they look over their shoulders and they see those who are following Christ because they too have given their lives to God. We love you, Father, and just want to praise you tonight. In your precious name, I pray these things. Amen.